Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to the Big Squid Podcast, and today we're presenting part two of our latest Space Podacy series. Join Rove McManus, Ben Elwood, and me as we return to the brilliant Galaxy Quest. Welcome to part two of this look back at Galaxy Quest. If you haven't listened to the part one yet, go and check it out. We'll be waiting right here for you. It's okay. We're not going to go anywhere. You could probably listen to just part two and go complete Nolan and uh, then listen to part one. But I kind of get the impression that listening to the first part will be the way to go with this. I have not set it up like that. Anyway. Let's not waffle too much at the top of <laughs> this episode. Uh, Adelaide friends, just a reminder, I'm performing at the Rhino Room this Friday, June 3rd, and I've organised that if you head to adelaidecomedy.com and use the promo HAMO, H-A-M-M-O, you will receive discounted tickets. That's right. A big squid promo for my listeners. The show starts at 7pm and I'd love to see you there. And uh, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, uh, I've asked them if they can keep the front of the bar open after the show. So if you'd like to come and have a photo, have a chat, uh, tell me about what you've been really enjoying lately. I'm always up for that. I just finished the Apple TV series Pachinko last night. uh, Eight episodes. Thought it was beautiful. I honestly think it's one of the most beautiful series I've seen in a long time to look at uh, story-wise and you, you'll be surprised if you watch it and you really, really, really connect with it, you'll be completely bamboozled how a small bowl of rice will make you want to burst into tears. <laughs> it's wonderful. And uh, so anyway, that's what I'm up for. I, I won't bang on about Pachinko now. Maybe I'll save that for another time. But uh, uh, if you're into something and you want to discuss it or give me a heads up, you know, there's a lot to consume at the moment but uh, and enjoy and it's hard to keep up with things. So I'm always up for a little nudge in the right direction. So 
if you feel like uh, coming to the show and hanging around and saying hello, please do so. Also, a shout out to our Patreon subscriber for the episode, Lee Sullivan. I hope you're enjoying this two-part podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it. And uh, today, Lee, you'll find out just how far all three of us would go with an alien relationship. It's the question I know you and everyone has been waiting for us to finally answer. And we're getting to it. So uh, strap yourselves in. Uh, If you'd like an episode dedicated to you and uh, also, you know, have access to bonus podcasts, scripts, etc., head over to patreon.com forward slash Hamilton underscore big squid for a tier that suits you. Uh, There's not only bonus podcasts, there's also uh, works in progress. So my Patreon uh, supporters have heard a draft of the next beautiful tales for the disenchanted. So uh, if you're new to this podcast, uh, what I wanted to do was introduce a story telling aspect uh, to this feed. I didn't want to just be reporting on other people's work. I want to be creating my own work as well. And uh, Beautiful Tales for the Disenchanted is uh, the storytelling side of things. We've already had one episode up. They take a while to produce. That's why there's a bit of a gap in between. But we've already put up one episode in a previous uh, uh, couple of months ago now called King Hamster, which was uh, a fun story. And the next one is called Squeak about two murderous clowns in a rubbish tip slowly taking the clothes off another dead clown and it is oh it's grubby and sean allen who you may have heard his wonderful work on lots of podcasts but specifically ben elwood's thank god for david attenborough uh he's doing the production on all of these and we uh, had a little chat and i said i just want it to be as grubby as the story and he sent through some stuff He's slowing down audio, he's speeding up audio, the background noises, like it'll be one of those uh, additions that when you hear it, I reckon the best way to, if you feel like being creeped out, put on your headphones and listen to it at night because he's layering it and it's, oh, it's great. I'm really excited for it. That's coming out in a couple of weeks and our Patreon supporters have already heard a work in progress version. So that's going to be tasty. I can't wait for you to hear it. That'll be here on the Big Squid feed in a couple of weeks. But enough of the promo for the future because we're here right now. It's time to check back in with Rove and Ben as we continue to discuss this wonderful film, Galaxy Quest. How did I come to this? Not again. I played Richard III. Five curtain calls. There were five curtain calls. I was an actor once. Damn it, now look at me. Look at me! I can't go out there, and I won't say that stupid line one more time. I can't. I won't. Well, Alex, at least you had a part. Okay? You had a character people loved. I mean, my TV Guide interview was six paragraphs about my boobs and how they fit into my suit. No one even bothered to ask me what I do on the show. You had the... Wait, wait, I'll think of it. I repeated the computer, Fred. Whew! Your commander is on deck. Ha <laughs> ha! Wow, that smog is thick today, huh? Am I too late for Alexander's panic attack? Apparently not. You know, you should get that looked at. <laughs> and we are back. We are talking about Galaxy Quest, as I'm sure I have said in the introduction to this second part of the podcast that I haven't recorded yet. Oh my God, it's a Nolan moment. Have a drink. So we are up to uh, the crew go up and play their roles until they suddenly realise the actual seriousness of the situation. Um, And 
when the Thermians realise that they've been watching entertainment and not historical documents, I don't know about you guys, but uh, it's strangely moving. <laughs> like I feel really sad oh, when they find out. Everything about them is is so heart wrenching. Yes, you know that their their planet is gone. Even the idea that uh, when they reference Gilligan's Island, yes, and just the, <laughs> that oh, poor man, they yeah. all just the sadness that yeah. falls across all of them. Those this, poor people. It's the sincerity of children. Yes, that's, that's exactly it. it. It's yeah, that, yeah. It's that, you know, life hasn't crunched in on the sides yet to uh, <laughs> shatter the illusion. Oh, I know. <laughs> I feel so bad for them, and uh, it, it's funny because you've had the like the interpersonal relationships. They're all, you know, Jason's a fucking pain in the ass, and you know, Alan Rickman doesn't want to be saying his line, even if they are aliens and. Sigourney Weaver's frustrated because she's once again being reduced to what she has to do on the TV show, which is just repeating what the computer says. And, uh, you know, so it's only, uh, what's his name, who's fine. He's kind of going, oh, yeah, this is uh, all happening. Uh, not Shaloub. character. Yeah. Shaloub, yeah. And yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, what truth have you had to hide from a fan so as not to ruin the magic? <laughs> oh, for a long time, um, I'm only just coming into feeling comfortable with telling people that Rove's not my actual name. There's a lot of people. Is that real? <laughs> oh, really? I just burst Ben Elwood's wow. Really? Yeah, it's not my real name at all. What's your real name? John. Uh, what? Are <laughs> this you was serious? John McManus? <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow! Whoa! This was I'm a so question. glad that I asked this question. I feel like a question. I've never even fucking met you. This is a- this is a question on uh, Millionaire Hot Seat, and I'm sorry for the chase members of the. <laughs> Can't of believe the, you're bringing it up here. here. I've never been. That angrier. was it. Was a question of like, what is Rob McManus's real name? John McManus. Yes. Yeah. yeah Which well, my daughter now it. uses to mock me <laughs> because she knows. So when uh, she's like, "Well, why don't you want to be called John?" And I said, well, my dad was a John and his dad was a John. Mm. So I just feel like, well, A, I find it's, a, it's not necessarily a very interesting name. And also when I was younger, to get into the weeds a bit, when I was younger, all my family called me Rove anyway. Based my, on what? Oh, we all have dumb nicknames. I don't quite rem- remember how I got it, uh-huh. but every one of my siblings has a nickname right. and we all call ourselves by our nickname. Uh-huh. Um, and... My mum would call me Johnny and my grandmother would call me Johnny. Yep. So if anyone called me by my name, it was that. So then when I started at school, <laughs> the high school, it got shortened to John. And that I didn't like, especially because, you know, when I was at my grandparents' place and everyone's calling out John and he's like, I've got cousins and uncles and that all have the same name. It was just, up like me. Oh, it's just so bland. <laughs> I was like, if I ever have a, a child that's a, a boy, it's not getting that name anyway, shape or form. So now my daughter loves to mock me <laughs> when she wants to tell me off for something. Johnny. Or if I'm trying to tell her off, she'll say, whatever, John McManus Jr. the third. <laughs> wow. Wow. Isn't it amazing how kids can weaponize? <laughs> and because and she, she knows it gets me too. <laughs> yeah. But for the people, uh, when I first started By the way, out. But this isn't my real name. My real name is Shubi Doo Kappa. And I know fun. there will be people who will listen to this and be like, Ben, like, no, there's, there is a part of my brain that's like, oh, that's weird. Because when, when I started out, <laughs> when I was performing stand up, I didn't want people because I was only two years removed from high school. I didn't want anyone I knew from high school coming to see me when I was still bad. Yep. So I just performed under a nickname and I was in a, a, a trio, actually. We all performed under nicknames. Um, 
And then when I and then that sticks. So suddenly that's the name you're performing under and what people know you mm. as. And then when I started working in television, I had a producer who said, "Well, you can't just be Rove. You need a surname because just having a single name is just weird." Mm. So yeah, who or are just, you, Madonna? What <laughs> <laughs> is hard for people to connect with? So she said, what's your actual name? I said, John McManus. She said, well, keep the surname. We'll call you Rove McManus. That's what we'll credit you as. Mm. So I was like, okay. And that's ever since then. So the, the biggest change people have had to deal with is me suddenly having a surname on stage. Um, but when I started out, like properly in television, and you're doing all these actual interviews where people are like, so tell me about you. And they'd say, where does the name Rove come from? I would, I don't know why, I just lied. Mm. And said it was, oh, I've got Irish ancestry and it's Celtic and it's... Yeah. No one ever questioned it. And then you start getting the the mail of, oh, I have had a child. I've named him Rove. I just want to know, hey, I just wondered what's the history like? Because people are asking me. They know I've named it, him after you, but I just wanted to know... Like where where like is there any history I should know about? Like where does it come from? <laughs> What's the etymology behind it? And I'm just like I don't know how to answer I'm this. There was even at wise. one point I've got an article that I've kept of <laughs> popular baby names for the year 2000 and whatever, and Rove was in the top five of wow new baby names. Did you feel like you were being deceptive at all? No, it- because. I have always identified with that name yeah. more. And now I have people who feel like it's like a you know secret handshake to call you John like because I know that's your real name. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. to me, like that actually is worse because I go, no, that's, that's – if anything, Rove was the secret handshake for years. It was like mm, close yeah. friends and family called me Rove. I'd go to school and I'd be this John guy. Oh, wow. And then unfortunately it's flipped now where the name that I most identified with at home that felt the most comfortable is what everybody knows me as, which is fine because that's what I would prefer anyway. Does your wife call you John or Rose? No, no, my wife calls me Rose. Yeah, right. Yeah. So um, I haven't legally changed my name because it's a great alias. <laughs> yeah. When you're booking into a hotel to actually just have your own name and the amount of times I've gone to do something and hand it over ID and they go, John McManus, oh, because I thought you looked like Rove. Oh, he's my brother. Right. Oh, yeah, because you look the same. Yeah, I get that a lot. Get that yeah. a lot. What's he like? He's a fucking prick. He's a liar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not even his real name, but he won't tell you that. Always drinking. What is it, Mary? Yeah. yeah. He Mary runs an McManus. underground fight club. Yeah, so I'm sorry to have to bring that up. Yeah. So that's, wow. yes, that's my... That's funny. That's my thing to to fans over many years. Most people just don't ask now anyway. It's so far. It was in the early days it happened more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it seems every person who every time I bring it up now, there is always a someone like you, Ben, who suddenly just goes, What? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. There it is. That's funny. And to the amount of people well, that just had that. I, I, but, I by the way, that was really funny to watch because I didn't realise that you didn't know that. So to see your reaction was Great. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, because... But my sister's name is Catherine. Uh. We call her Gav. Right. G-A-V. Yeah, but uh, she's not a household name. It's no, like but if she me, did, oh, that yeah, would be... Gav's, Gav's actually Sue. Like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, yeah, yeah, wow. in the early days, I remember someone... Uh, I actually can't, cannot remember who it was. Who said to me, so it's Rob your name? I was like, no. And they said, oh, so what is it? I said, John. They said, yeah, well done. There's enough Johns in this yeah. industry already. John McManus sounds like something on a death certificate for a corpse that wasn't 
They didn't know the identity of John McManus. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, yeah John like, McManus. That'll do. Yeah. John Hancock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, Rove, Rove is the correct choice. Yeah, and it, uh, and of course it's what people have known anyway for years and years and years. But it does feel like the amount of people I know who go, yeah, it, it, that suits you more than a John would. But I don't know. John Live doesn't quite have John the same. Live just John L A. Johnny LA Johnny, Johnny LA is alright Saturday LA's Night John yeah. Johnny LA is a detective Maybe it would have worked better though oh, yeah. Now you tell us Jesus What about you Ben? Oh well, fucking I can't compete with that um, I think the thing that people no, It's not a competition There's yeah, just stories right. yeah. being exchanged Even if yours isn't as good as this Don't dead name me um, I think that The thing that surprises, maybe not so much now that I've been doing comedy for a a long time, but definitely early on, I think, you know, people have had an idea of me as just kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. So when I maybe was a little bit more nuanced than that, that would surprise people, I think. Yeah, could you, did you feel that uh, people were maybe intimidated to approach you, both industry-wise and just fandom? Yeah. Or people, you know, punters, what have you? Yeah, well, it, it, it always really upset me for a long time that everyone was like, oh, you're so angry. And it's like, oh, I'm not, not really, though. Like, it is just a character. But again, it's that thing, and, and we've talked about but this a lot. It's also just such a reductive term as well. For Oh, yeah, know, of course. Yeah. You know, and then people go, oh, actually. And it's like, oh, who would have thunk? You're actually multidimensional. Wow. Um, but uh, we've talked about it a lot, uh, just in terms of comedy. Of And I, I assume it's the same in all of the arts, where when you kind of pigeonhole yourself into a blanket emotion or mood the delineation between who you are and who the character is starts to blur. And so yeah, you, sure. all of a sudden it's like, well, I guess I am the angry guy. Mm, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I I remember two years or three years into comedy, I started kind of finding some kind of semblance of like internal peace or happiness or whatever, which was probably always there, but it just, you know, it was flourishing more. And I remember so many people doing that cliche kind of like, oh no, don't sort your shit out, man. Don't sort your shit out. You won't be funny on stage anymore. If you're not ranting and raving and, and screaming at the audience and losing yeah. your mind, you won't be funny. And it's like, well, actually, that's bullshit. Mm. It's a complete, it's the complete opposite. Yeah. You know, the anger is only funny when it's something that's worked towards. You know, if you come out. Also, you just spend your life exhausted. What's exa- you know, you're adrenally fatigued all yeah. the time. Your brain's flooded with cortisol. It's it's a horrible place to be. And also, it's not. Uh, it's it's a very destructive emotion. Mm. Yeah, anger. Uh, and also, it, as I say, it used to just really upset me that that's how I was seen. I guess because like a lot of comedy comes from that anyway. You're yeah. rallying against something, and yeah. it might be you know something that's. Uh, completely obtuse and and you're taking it to the extreme in in a ridiculous way yeah but well, the best stuff is always you getting mad and shaking your fist about something yeah, yeah, Just yeah, yeah. you do it at a you know either more intense probably better thought out mm. and structured mm. and maybe louder volume but it's essentially the same thing. It's also for you very, to then be branded the angry guy. But it's also very, and, and that's something that I had most of my adolescence well, because it is a very inherently Australian thing mm. that a lot of the time passion, <laughs> if you want to put it politely, is misconstrued as anger. So, you know, all through adolescence, it was always like, oh, tell us what you really think, much. I was like, well, well I am. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, whereas for me, it was always like, oh, no, that's just like, I'm from a very rowdy European family. To me, that was just how people talk. When they get fired up about something, they 
go for it. But I was always being told, oh, no, like, you know, oh, calm down, Tiger, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So for me, it was always like, I, it bummed me out that it was being what I felt misinterpreted as anger. And then that becomes the narrative of who you are. Like, I remember when people found out that I work with kids, Yeah. you know, I mean, anyone who really knew me was like, yeah, of course. And then people who don't know me are like, <laughs> really? I wouldn't let you knew my kid. And it's like, well, like. Again, like I'm, there's 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 a multi-dimensionality yeah. to it. Yeah. And if you really knew me, like, but again, and and with the anger comes like a whole branding of like being really negative or really nihilistic or mm-hmm. whatever. Which again, I don't think I am. I remember you were one of the first people that before we got to really know each other that kind of peripherally knew me that was like, I don't think you're negative at all. Oh yeah, I used to say that to you all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm. It's funny because uh, narratives take hold mm-hmm. and you keep uh, inverting them and you keep telling yourself. And uh, if I, especially if it's kind of, I've, I've seen it happen to a few friends uh, and it's kind of, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me talking about it because he's already talked about it on this podcast, but Mickey D kind of got lost in his mm-hmm. onstage character off stage. And, you know, sometimes he would say things in, I would literally just say to him, that's, that's actually not you. Mm. Like you're you're heaps of fun and yep. you're yep. like you're naughty fun. You're not looking out to create stories fun. You know that kind of yep. thing. And uh, and it's also something that you have to remind yourself about as well because mm-hmm. it's easy to kind of get lost in your own head. And uh, well, this is who I am and this is how I do things. And uh, that's actually that's actually reductive. You know, it's not who you really are. Especially because I always saw Ben. Uh, I was. I always found it stranger that you worked with dogs because I've always seen you as a cat person. Yeah, <laughs> so really. Yeah, I respect cats more than I respect dogs. <laughs> Do you? That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That, no, that, but, that, that stacks up. I think it's also like the comedy, comedy, or there's there's an extra element of destructiveness attached to these mindsets when you are quote unquote rewarded for it. Yeah. You know, like if I had, when I was 23 or whatever, gotten into, I don't, whatever, a career in science. Yeah. And in the lab, I was like, nah, 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 nah. And like people would very quickly go, dude, like shut up. That's yeah. inappropriate. Or they'd laugh, but after a while go, yeah, all right. But, you know, when you go out every night and not only are you having exactly. an audience go, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. ha, 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 ha. And people are coming up to you and, oh, that was so funny and you articulated something that I've been angry about and then you've got the industry giving you things and, oh, suddenly I've got yeah. a, I'm on TV. I was always dreamed of being on TV. Oh, I'm, yeah. oh, now I'm in the comedy zone and I'm being told that I should just go out there and fucking go for people. Yeah. So, and all of a sudden it is this thing of like, well, I guess that's and then, who I am. And then if it works for you, mm. you fall into that loop of, well, don't stray from this because... Totally. And then you're looking for it all the time. Yeah. I remember a few years into comedy, I was out with a couple of friends and ranting and ra- and I uh, there there was like this this shop with these ridiculous Roman pillars, completely inappropriate. It was like a fucking carpet shop or something, and had these like plinths. Uh, and I was standing under it, like frothing like a fucking maniac about yeah. these plinths. <laughs> and I remember my friend Dan Brown at the time just going like. Like, I finished thinking it was, like, really funny, this florid, you know, rant about how stupid these pillars were. And he just, like, he looked at me and there was so much sorrow and pity in his face. And he just goes, like, enough anger, man. Like, it's just too much. (laughs) Too much. And But it was, like, one of those, like, real slap in the face moments of, like, oh, yeah. Like, I really lost Mm. who the fuck I am. Yeah. You know, and it had edged into this, like, yeah, it's, it, 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 it would, maybe it would be funny to go, like, oh, look at those ridiculous plinths. It's just a carpet shop. 
Yeah. But all of a sudden, it's like you've, you've been possessed by this yeah. horrific emotion. And, yeah. you know, you're literally like frothing like, you, like you've been slighted personally. It's interesting, the, the, this, the, the scene in the film where they're planning how to get the, uh, the beryllium yeah. sphere. Yeah. And uh, Tim Allen's Jason character is like saying, okay, you form a distraction, then you do this. And then uh, I think it's Tommy, one of the other characters, says, why are we listening to him? <laughs> yeah. He, that's just a costume. He's yeah. not actually the captain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, what he's wearing is no different to what any of the rest of us are wearing. Yeah. But they just fall into their roles yeah. when they're in that situation. Was a, th- a nice little nod, I thought, to, ma- to, yeah. to reference that. But he, I, th- I think we all do, right? Uh, not wanting to let down people who suddenly realise that, you know, because something's so obvious in your own head. So in 2006, I, you know, when, you, when I was back having to write shows every year, which I'm so glad I don't do anymore. But back in 2000, uh, towards the end of 2006, the most relevant thing that had happened to me was the breakup of an on-again, off-again relationship. There had been a pretty important relationship for about four years and I was exhausted. And that, But that's all that I was really thinking about. And so... But I didn't want to talk about that because who wants to see a show about yeah, I'm sad and also who <laughs> I should have been the title by the way yeah that's uh, <laughs> dot, 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 in, I'm sad. in in hindsight uh, but then also uh, you know I still had a great amount of respect for my ex and I didn't want to be drawing her name into it so I explored the ideas of of what it's like to be in a relationship that comes to an end and by the time you get uh, the opportunity to reflect upon it, how you can come to a nice kind of piece about it. And that's when I wrote Three Colours Hamo and I created the character of Calliope as a vehicle for all of those emotions. Mm -hmm. And then I did those shows and to me it was quite clearly a metaphor. But at no point did I tell anyone it was a metaphor and I didn't realise, I did it all through 2007. Then in 2008, I'm performing at the Adelaide Fringe and an old primary school friend of mine comes to the show and I catch up afterwards and she is fucking distraught because she had never heard me speak of Calliope before, hadn't realised that I'd gone through this whole thing, felt terrible that she hadn't been there for it and, like, was losing her mind and I had a moment while I was looking at her where I thought, well, I can either tell her this is a metaphor but I don't know how that's... Like, it it was inconsolable. So... I just went with it and I said, ah, oh, it was in a time where we didn't see each other. <laughs> and I just Google the name Calliope. <laughs> yeah. How often? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that would help give it away. That would give it away. Well, 2008, Google wasn't quite the go to back then. Good back point. then. Oh, what a great but uh, I had to, it was like, <laughs> it, was, wasn't it? it was like I had to hold the line. I had to and hold the line. Yeah, yeah. And I had to just stay there and go, yeah, nah, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay now. It happened a long time ago. A long time ago. But that was my. That was my big moment. But it was one of those things where you suddenly go, oh, yeah, like what you're presenting, you the have no idea times, how it's been yeah, taken. After oh, a show 100%. where someone goes, oh, my God, like when you just did that thing. Yeah. And you're like, I've actually done that probably seven to yeah. a dozen times before when there's been a heckler like that in the audience or mm-hmm. a moment mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't do it all the time. It's not part of the act. But yeah. Should the moment arise, I have a something in my back pocket that I can pull yeah. out. And I feel like they want to think it was the first time that, yeah. it, you know, it really was in the moment. As much as like the amount of time someone would say, have you done that before? Yeah, I've done that heaps of times. Yeah. But there's those other times where because of the way it came up, 
yeah. organically, yeah. Oh, they yeah. weren't to know for all the decades that you've been performing, yeah. you've got a little get-out-of-jail card for most of the situations you can find yeah. yourself in. Oh, this, yeah. is, this, this is why I love hecklers. Hecklers have saved my ass so many, so many times. I did a gig a few years. I opened for Stanhope at the Orpheum. Uh, oh, yeah. And that venue is like like a holy place for me, that main theatre at the Orpheum. I saw all the movies of my childhood there. Uh, and, you know, Stanhope, not so much now, but when I was formative, was very important. So it was a very important mm-hmm. gig. And I was racked before like just inconsistent i was in the toilet dry reaching it was like this is awful what am i doing i'm gonna fuck this up so badly you know and 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 that added pressure of like if you fuck up in this room this is gonna sting yeah it's not like a normal gig uh and i you know and i remember stand up just before i just before i went out he's like looking at me shaking his head going how do you smoke weed with a head like that Yeah. Like I know, and I'm like, I'm just he's like, "Why do you do comedy?" <laughs> and then, it's a fair question. And like, as as I'm being announced, he like leans into my ear and he just goes, "Fuck him! It's just about you and me." And so I walk out, and I'm like, I can, you know, when you can feel the catch in your throat, and you just mm. know it's gonna suck. It's gonna suck. Uh, and I take the mic out, and I'm like, hi, "Hi, everybody!" And on cue, a guy in the front starts, and I. Un, like unleashed on him for, and like I've checked the video it goes for two and a half minutes of me just savaging this guy and the crowd just getting like more and more like wow 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 and every day I think about that gig I thank God for that guy in the front because that gig would have gone very differently had he not jackknifed my oh, consciousness there's a multiverse that band that ate a oh, shit sandwich absolutely yeah. more than one multiverse but in, that, <laughs> in this universe that guy going like no you dickhead it was like here we go every pre-prepared line that I've written in my head and every gig that I've ever done where a heckler said something, you're getting it all at once. Mm, and it was yeah. like, yeah, I think uh, those hecklers can be a lifesaver. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you just mentioned where they head to the planet to pick up the supplies yes. and it's such a funny scene. We get Tim Allen left behind, who show gets ripped. And, uh, by the way, Tim Allen looking pretty tired. Yeah, good. without, you know, without... Being unnecessarily so. No, it's no, not like just he enough. went. I know I'm going to have my shirt off for this film, so yep. I'll go on some weird diet. Or look, look, looks like he just didn't drink beer for three weeks before <laughs> yeah, before the scene. Tan. Um, it's such a great homage that scene, yes. and it's like one of those classic scenes in uh, in in uh, those kinds of TV shows. If the movie had had one more set piece, what homage would you like to have added? Wow. Mm. So we've got the. There's that one. I'll give you one if you like to sure. give you some thinking time. I wouldn't have uh, if we had another fifteen, ten to fifteen minutes. A quick jaunt back in time where Jason and Gwen end up undercover in the suffragette movement, <laughs> and he has to deal with you know uh, his uh, you know his kind of arrogant kind of uh, uh, you know chauvinistic ways, and suddenly. Uh, Gwen is the one that you know everyone is uh, behind her, and uh, <laughs> they have to get some some doohickey to go back in time. I would like to see something where they are up against like an alien creature or something that looks ridiculous. Like it looks like a mask, and the floating cloud. <laughs> yeah, they're struggling to believe. Yeah, that this. Very formidable force is actually that because it yeah. just looks fake mm-hmm, and yeah. dumb, and uh, or just that there was something in it in in the in the film 
that wasn't um, uh, a Winston creation that looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. That there was something yeah. that was a bit shonky because yeah. most of those things back then were. And there was always that suspension of disbelief. But sometimes it'd be like an episode, I can't remember what it was, there's an episode of something where it turns out, oh, the character, like the evil bad guy was just a, a guy in a mask. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't, you can't do that because next time it looks like a mask. Yes. You're suggesting, well, now your character can't tell. Mm-hmm. Right, it's, right. You know, yeah. every other time we have to pretend it's not a mask to them, it's real because this character is being portrayed as a real yeah. monster, yeah. a yeah. real alien, a real thing from another world. Yeah. So when you yank the rug out from under it by going, but this time it was a guy in a mask. You go, ah, now you're going to ruin it (laughs) from here on in. Yeah. I wouldn't mind an alternate reality where they meet their evil versions of themselves and they all have goatees. Oh, That's that's what you Including Gwen. Gwen with a goatee. (laughs) Somehow I'd still have Tim Allen looking exactly the same. He's kind of, you know, neutral in every universe. That was one of my favourite... Comedy moments in this was when they suck up the pig monster thing yeah. that he's fighting with initially. Yeah. And <laughs> and it gets turned inside out. Yeah. And their reaction, and he's like, what happened? What happened? And like, no, it's everything. Everything's fine. It's all fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the one alien guy that's there is like, oh, it has been turned inside out. Yeah. And then when it explodes. Yeah. And you can just tell that the special effects guys who had this explosion happen, or just the props guys throwing all the muck. Yeah. With a bit of and ham dangling and it just, <laughs> But it lands perfectly on his top lip yeah. and then just beautifully slides off. Yeah. Oh, did you notice Sam Rockwell sucking on his fingers? Yeah. No. Yeah, he's licking his fingers as that thing explodes on him and tasting it and like kind of going, oh, that's not, that's not so yeah, bad. Yeah, There's a lot delicious. of stuff in the background going on there for some Yeah. Uh, I think we should have had, if we're going for like old school kind of like sci-fi Tropes like the ripped shirt, and, yeah, and and obviously um, Sigourney Weaver's cleavage comes out at the end of the the film. We should have had the spinning camera and a no. Oh, no! We, needed a, we needed a no. Yeah, yeah, a Khan, mm. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yes, that would have been good actually. Good. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, eventually our heroes have to live up to their characters. It's quite a triumphant moment. Uh, and they they all kind of happen at slightly different points in the film. Uh, out of all the characters, which one leaning into their character do you enjoy the most? Alan Rickman doing his line seriously that he hates, that he's been doing under duress, shows how good an actor he is because when he does it seriously to that alien that's dying, it's actually quite moving. Yeah, it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's got to be Rickman. And that's all down to the, the actor playing the alien guy because he's he tears up at yeah that, at that moment yeah beautifully like yeah. it's it really gets you mm-hmm. yeah. especially because it i found it to be quite comical and funny the line before he where he says i know we've only just met but i've always seen you as a father figure <laughs> yeah, to me. yeah 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 <laughs> as he's sitting there spitting out his his blue blood or whatever yeah. but then when rickman delivers the line and it catches the the alien and he tears up yeah. right as he passes out and yeah. dies to me, was like, oh my god, that was so beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. That's, that's the, that's uh, the like the fact that Rickman at no point does the character is Alexander. Is that his mm, name? Yeah, Alexander. At any point, even when he's at home on the phone to Sigourney Weaver, yes. does he take the head off? <laughs> yeah, at any point. Yeah, which I've done with a couple of extra scenes of him on the toilet or in the shower. With the, I kind yeah, of like this yeah, part yeah. of me that uh, at the end when it starts to break up and you can see his hair stick yeah. jutting yeah. out of the sides of it. 
is when you can't, it strikes you that that's right. He's had the head on the whole yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is one of my favourite little. But uh, I like the fact that yeah, you don't ever see him as the actor. Yeah. I think him leaning into his character is the most profound of them all because everyone that leans into their character, it's like a skill. Yes. You know, Tony Shalhoub, it's, you know, beaming mm. yeah. Tim Allen up or whatever. Learning how, Tommy learning how to fly. Yeah, yeah. they're all kind of practical skills whereas Alan yeah, Rickman's... Yeah, he's not becoming the science officer or whatever his actual Yeah, it's him realising the, the power is. of the thing that he's disdained for his whole career. It's the, it's the, it's the leaning into the realisation of what this actually means to And same people. thing when they're trying to prize open the door and they're chanting, there's that... Yeah. Strength yeah. chant or whatever yeah, that yeah, yeah, allows yeah. it to open just enough to let a bit more air in. Yeah. And I think that there's, there's, there's something in that for like the artist, especially you know, someone that's been doing their thing for a long time and maybe is like, oh, you know, what, what is this all about? Yeah. Kind of rediscovering that. The, the power of the work Yeah Yeah And that, yeah, that's yeah. What, that's also gets back to the idea of this film Never shits on fandom yeah. Like it always respects it And that is Even though <laughs> Once again It's absurd But within the absurdity There is a level of truth Which actually makes the scene yeah, quite beautiful absolutely. Yeah. I, I have to say I also really love uh, Jason having to call Justin Long to uh, oh yeah, you know to you know, and then getting in touch with the the nerd hive mind, which is amazing because they would have been on dial up. So they're really when he's literally watching VHS copies of the of yeah. the episodes to get through the clang clang machine. Yeah, and all <laughs> of that coming together and having to be you know uh, contrite in that moment as well is actually quite a sweet moment. But as also, well. I think that that also worked for me in that his hypothesis of what the um, Omega-13 yeah. actually does yeah. turns out to be mm. what it does. What the, it does, yeah. The weird, you jump back for 13 seconds. Yeah. Because um, at first you go, well, how would that make sense until you realise, well, I guess the whole setup has been made from what they've seen on screen yeah. to replicating that for real of what it would be like mm. and judging everybody's hand movements where they're touching the screen is where it's just a start engine on a big button (laughs) yeah 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 things like that so the idea that somehow again that hive mind mentality of well here's what we believe it does yeah would endow this fictitious Mm. um machine with that actual power yeah kind of adds up for me yeah now it would be they they would have an intergalactic 3d printer that's yes. how they would do yeah. it. Yes. But uh, but also, of course, uh, you know, because the nerds haven't just watched the series, you know, they've read the tie-ins, they've read the comic books that came out of it, they've read the fan theories, they're signed up to yeah. And how he dismisses this. Well, initially, he's there's that there is that nice scene where he's not dismissive of the fandom. He's like, well, of course, I had to do that because yeah. otherwise, I couldn't save my mm. crew. And without yeah. a crew, you don't you, know, you can't be a captain without a crew. Yeah. And it's only when he hears those guys shitting on him that he kind of then flings it back at, at the fans. Yeah. But it's not kept there, which is where that SNL sketch where William Shatner got up and was at the yeah, yeah, yeah. the Trekkie convention and just went, get a life, was just so poorly received by mm. fandom. Right, right. Because at least with this, it redeems it by saying, because you guys know everything, yeah. you've saved us and in some respects possibly the planet, which... What yeah. you get for that is a little chest bump and a bow. But that's all. Don't even come up on the stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. really can't talk to you. I, yeah, really, no, please, I need to see a pass. Stay down there. I, we're the stars. Yeah. Never forget that. But good but, work. But thanks for <laughs> saving absolutely everyone. That, that level of fandom is absolutely true. Because, you know, I think we think of fandom now as, you know, the cosplaying and all the rest. But there is that level of obsessive fandom that 
kind of adds something. Have you have you heard of the the guys that um, came up with the blueprints for the Overlook Hotel in the Shining film? Oh God, no! And they've and so they they, they open up this. There's this great documentary, Room Two Three Seven, which gets into all the different yeah. fan theories of the Shining, and they're pretty out there. Yeah. But the one that I think is incredible that adds a new level to the film is someone based on the schematics of how the trike goes around the hotel and all the rest, drew up accurate blueprints of the Overlook Hotel. And architecturally, it doesn't work. There's like hallways that don't lead anywhere and doors that open in on other doors and everything. And the theory that's come of that is that they're not mistakes. That's, you know, because this is Kubrick and he would never put anything into his films by mistake. It's all architecturally (laughs) put in there to put you off kilter as the viewer. Right. And so when you, you know, it's like that, I love that fandom that kind of is so obsessive that doesn't deconstruct the work and make it seem crap. It actually adds a new level to it. Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. Profound. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you also forget that a lot of fandom because it's, because, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There is, you know, we lean into the toxicity of fandom mm-hmm. as well and, and people being... Uh, not inclusive, uh, mm. not letting certain people in, but uh, for the most part, uh, uh, fandom has helped uh, a lot of people get through tough times in life and given them something to focus on when they're dealing with other totally. shit. But also for these fans in the movie, they they get their belief validated that it's real. Yeah. Mm. Yes. You know, after being uh, having it thrown in their face, they're yeah. told, no, it is real, and they get to help land the ship. And... The wonderful voiceover. It's like, and welcome, you know, playing this role. It's, you know, yeah. um, this guy playing Captain Taggart. And, and out comes Sam Rockwell. And a shipmate. <laughs> shipmate, yeah. And Tony Shalhoub's character. And, you know, uh, Lieutenant Kwan. And friends. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's really nicely done. But yeah. no one else is aware that that's a real ship. Yeah. That's a real, like, even when uh, Saren comes out again. Yeah. The idea that that is a real alien. Everyone's just like, pop, pop. With their Nerf guns, yeah. The only people that would even know it's real is the the, the, the hardcore nerds who help land that. Who thing help in the land first place. it? So there's to one, everyone else, it's still a TV show. There's one shot where he comes out of the spaceship and one guy in the in the crowd holds up a gun and goes like pew pew. Yeah, it's like yeah. the it's a little <laughs> foam dart. Yeah, it's really funny. That also leads into this next question where there's there's also a line uh, with Alan Rickman. You were give him a big hand. He's British, uh, <laughs> yeah, which is one of my right. favorite lines. Uh, the motto of never give up, never surrender. Is a solid line. I reckon it's a good line uh, from the man who gave us uh, to infinity and beyond beyond. as well. He's doing he's doing well. What would your rally cry be? (sighs) I'll give you mine. Mm -hmm. 
Victory now, sandwiches later. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's all about the sandwiches. Uh, I always figure once you've had a victory, you've probably gotten an appetite. So, and but you're not too big an appetite. So, a couple of good sandwiches <laughs> would be good. Snacks. It's, it's always comes comes down to snacks. It always comes back. That should be your other one. Snacks. Ah, uh, yep. they'll save every one of us. <laughs> I have to be more careful about that with my. Uh, uh, health issues But um, <laughs> Oh yeah Snacks are not such a big part Of your life at the moment Right No 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 uh, no, no, Just a hash get, brown for breakfast yeah. Just, just uh, that's, a, that's about the naughtiest thing That <laughs> I have And a slab of loomy <laughs> Cheese is fine Cheese, Cheese is, fine. is fine Yep absolutely I've been uh, I've been encouraged to uh, I, So uh, An ex-girlfriend of mine Is a doctor And every 18 months Two years I'd write to her And say Is cheese alright She'd say no you can't have a cheese. And then uh, my doctor sort of said, uh, hey, no, nah, cheese is, you know, cheese is good. And so I just wrote to her and went, da, 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 da. Cheese is good. Guess what? I, knew I would have that, that as a motto. Good. Cheese is good. Cheese is good. Actually, you know what? Legitimately, there's one I use with my daughter all the time. Well, you do have one, by the way. Well, I'm the king of bloody catchphrases. <laughs> I even had, I like ice cream was getting around for a while. I think that even made it to a T-shirt for crying out loud. Right. Um would be uh, every problem has a solution. That's one that I use for my daughter a lot whenever she gets right. upset about mm. something. It's like, we can solve this because every problem has a solution. Oh, yeah, great. So I would probably use that as one of... My character would have heaps because I always have heaps. Yeah. I'm a marketing... Yeah. <laughs> marketing guru. Dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You wish you uh, could stop coming up with them. <laughs> ben? Uh, oh, God. Expect disappointment and you'll never be disappointed. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that works. Wow. Well, depending on your role, that would be a good one. That, that could work. <laughs> if I grab Thar's hammer. Um, I, I, the, uh, I love the detonation automatically stopping at one. That is yeah, uh, such yeah, a great yeah. thing. Uh, the the chompers scene is fantastic. Yes. It is one of those things. Anytime you see it in movies, you like... Why did someone put that there? So it's fun to have that verbalized. And it kept going. She's like, it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, why would a ship like this have yeah. a mechanism like Whoever that? Whoever wrote this episode yeah. should be fired. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Uh, the device allowing them, uh, the Omega 13, allowing them to go back 13 seconds to save the day. Is there a cliche that you would like to have squeezed in? Rogue AI. Oh, oh yeah, sure. okay, yeah, yeah, the computer. There should have. I yeah. mean, that, that that seemed like the glaring uh, missed opportunity. That there was no, yes. there was no cyborg. Yeah. Or you know. I would, yeah, I would have liked to have seen a, a robot when mm. at the watching it back. Uh, the the opening scene. There's that huge robot on the the stage yeah. with mm. the MC who's mm. introducing them, and it, it just struck me. Oh yeah, there's actually no. Droids. There's no yeah. robot character. Everything from you know that Forbidden Planet good. onwards is always like Robbie the robot. And you know what would have been good is like say there were seven seasons of Galaxy Quest and maybe there was the yeah. guy who played a robot who got destroyed in the third season. It would have and, to be yes the actor that was in there. But sure. but so but no 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 because he got destroyed in the third season they see it as all real. Part of what they've done is mm. they've brought. They've rebuilt the robot, yep. but they've rebuilt a real robot. They've built yep. a real robot, oh, and then yes. that robot is having a nervous breakdown because it's also based on the actor. So it's got this existential: "What the fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. is that happening?" Would be good. Up to an hour ago, I didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> so that could have been fun. Uh, That's the thing. Like, I think this movie, like, I love it, but I think it's like three quarters there. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have loved to have seen. 
and, and I do think it's a product of its time. I do think that it's yeah. kind of having to handhold the average viewer a little bit. Yeah. You know, whereas these tropes and these cliches are much more in the zeitgeist now and would just be a given. Yeah. But uh, I would like... There's a, did you ever see that episode of Black Mirror? Um, you, uh, SS, SSS Callister? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. It's f- yes. phenomenal. It's yes. so yes, yes, yes. good. And yeah. I think that picks up a little bit of the slack from Galaxy Quest in making a lot more assumptions about nerd culture and yeah. what a super fan would create in his virtual reality version of a Star Trek episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would just I would have liked to have seen a bit more of a doubling down. But it's not really criticism because it is of its time. Yeah, mm. and also like uh that culture wasn't yeah. as as advanced as we see it now, as yeah. you were just saying. But also um like I think like, I would have gone a bit deeper on the thirteen second time jump to go backwards. Right, which gives you a second chance at taking out the villain. Right, would have been something that could have been a lot more complex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Even five years, six years later. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, like, I love how long this movie is. Like, it's nice and tight. Doesn't mm, need to be mm, any longer mm. than it is. But some of those ideas, you know, like that could be pretty funny as mm. well. Like, you could see him using it, you know, on regular, you know, ordering food and stuff like that. Well, mm. it's the. Mm. Um, you could ha- there could be fun that's ha- also then the the villain gets his hands on it and jumps back to thirteen. And, yeah, you know. and you could make it a lot more complex. So you it feels like it could be like a Moffat uh, curse of fatal death. Death. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a. Have you seen that one? No. So this was before Stephen Moffat, who became Is this a Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah. Did you know that I've never seen an episode of Doctor Who? Doesn't in my matter. Life. To, to enjoy this. So before uh, he became showrunner. He was asked to write uh, for the Red Nose specials that they do annually oh, in the yeah, UK, yeah. a Doctor Who spoof episode yeah. with Rowan Atkinson. As, as the Doctor. As the Doctor. <laughs> and he plays up on the idea of, well, if you've got a time machine, yeah. when you are thwarted by the villain, you go back in time and you just fix it, right? Of course. That's the biggest loophole in this show's history. Yeah. Um, so the whole story, and I think it's broken down into five parts, but you can find it on YouTube in one twenty-minute slab, is just the master, which is the his the Doctor's Moriarty, having this back and forth about, aha, well I've got you, and you're now in chains. He goes, well, what you didn't realize is I went back in time and I got in touch with the person who made the chains to make them with this foolproof mechanism that cling makes it open like that. Well, as it just so happens, I went back in time knowing that you had done that and got in touch with the guy who built this castle to put a trap door right where you're standing. And he pulls this lever yeah. and then the, the villain falls down a trap door. He's like, well, I went back in time before you yeah. and bribed the guy. Great. And that's the whole thing is just loop after loop after loop. Yeah, it's really You could funny. have had a bit of that with that 13-second yeah. yeah. thing. Yeah. Everybody trying to one-up until it becomes a mess. Someone does something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I would have been up for... Uh, a trader within the group that would oh, have sure. been fun as yeah. well they kind of kind of do it yeah they, yeah they pay homage to it a little bit with the shalub yeah uh bodysuit and like yeah. you say you don't you don't want the movie f- become too navel gazing and that's the thing yeah fall into its own asshole with uh, just getting too yeah introspective well that's that's what i mean i kind of feel like that the, the length of this movie is perfect it would kind of make an interesting uh series like you could, totally. uh, if you, you know, they did do a. I only just looked this up this week. They they did do a twenty minute mockumentary. Yes, yeah, celebrating twenty years of of Galaxy Quest, yeah. the TV show, to help promote the movie. Yeah, right. When it came out, where all the actors 
in the Galaxy Quest film are playing the actors from the television show looking back at 20 wonderful yeah, years. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, final uh, question is, in the end, this movie threads the needle perfectly in being a loving, fun movie about fandom and science fiction. Final question. You end up with an alien girlfriend who can look human, but that isn't her real form. What would you be willing to go through when they turn off their hologram device? Absolutely anything, but so long as Sam Rockwell is watching and reacting the way he does <laughs> oh, yeah. in that yeah. film. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's not right. Oh, Just, oh, beautifully done. Yeah, so good. <laughs> that, 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 that scene preempted a lot of um, Japanese tentacle porn. A lot, of, yes. a lot of hentai. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's ahead of the shape of water. I'm sorry to bring it up in front of you. Uh, guys, yeah. there you hey, go. come on. Jesus. Uh, I'd go with a robot. I'd be quite happy. For oh, so they yeah. don't have to be... Like no, no, whatever they alien. are. Like, whatever. Whatever they are. Whatever I'd go they Navi are. from Avatar. I'm a bit ashamed to admit it, but when Doesn't I saw it, that isn't movie... Isn't that just I, a weird linking of ponytails? Yeah, thing? but I got kind of like... I don't know. I got like weirdly... I would like it to be... Like they had for their transport mechanism. So, like, it's just yeah. some big amorphous blob. Oh, yeah. And you just lie there and they just engulf you. That'd be quite And then nice. it's just euphoria. Sure. Be like, uh, be like fucking a so stress it's ball. Nothing, it's almost like some kind of tantric thing. What a stress <laughs> ball. Did you be say? quite relaxing. So, you just you get all of the feelings without any of the messy physicalness. Yeah. Yeah, right. That sounds good. Well, floating, in, <laughs> floating in your... Floating in inside your inside your partners, yep. yep. floating inside your partner. Uh, for people listening to this uh, podcast, let us know what kind of alien you'd be happy to <laughs> have on the Facebook page. Okay, uh, the segment: Who and how? Which character do you think you would be, and how would you react in their place? Sorry, I just had an idea about what alien you'd fuck. The thing, because oh, it could be God. anything. Yeah, sure. right. Sorry. Anyway. And, and, um, Alien? Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's too, oh, too mouthy. Get, get the tongue out of my mouth, mate. Far out. Get the mouth, the first the, in the mouth out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to think that I would react like Shaloub. Yeah. Uh, based on... Just accept it? Well, based on some of my more uh, cosmic adventures that I did when I was younger, where I maybe didn't leave the planet in body, but definitely left it in mind. Yeah. Uh, I, I usually faced the disillusion of my consensus reality with a big smile and... Uh, with a lot of enthusiasm as I yep. was transported to different realms. Yep. So I'd be yeah. the is it Malthazar? Yeah. The head of the Thermians. Yep. Just approaching everything with that wonderful childlike enthusiasm of <laughs> I'm willing to believe that this is real. I'm still that guy who, you know, I cannot see a toy by the side of the road without going, I just I can't leave it there. I can't oh, leave it there. Buddy. Gotta pick it up. I can't leave it there. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad. It's just it's it's just like asking me to take it home. Yeah. It's After Toy Story came out, did you ever do that thing? It was like I knew it. Would you ever like sit there with your finger on the light switch and then pretend and then snap it I was it on doing them? that before Toy Story. What are <laughs> yeah. you talking about? Right. They ripped him off. That was a documentary for me. Uh, I was also uh, the same character, but oh, right. I, I went a slightly... I, I feel like I'm the one who... I'm the Doesn't version know how of to him, hug properly? Or no, uh, <laughs> I'm the version of him that gets really upset when I realise, uh, you know, that everything's a lie. Oh. Like, so I'm thinking about like when I've met famous comedians. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, segment zero charisma. Uh, who, which character do you think has zero charisma in this movie? For me, it's Saris. I, I feel like yeah. I feel like Saris looks great, but they just could be like. And I'm I'm splitting hairs here, but out of everyone, just a f- just a few more quips. Like he's just kind of a generic villain. I, I think I kind of would have liked a few more scenes where 
even he's kind of going, what is happening here? You yeah, know? especially because he's obviously, I don't know, he's educated or experienced enough to know what an Earth television show is and yeah. actors are playing a role. Yeah. Because he automatically twigs and not only connects what that means, but also his line of, it seems you've done more damage to them than I ever could. Mm. Says he's got a certain sense yeah. of um, intelligence about him. And sadism. Yeah, but it he otherwise just seems like he's a thug pulling off the heads. It, of his... See, it would have been funny if he'd pulled out Gilligan's hat and gone, look at me, I'm Gilligan. Yeah, or then, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. look at me, I'm bewitched. And they're yeah. all like, oh, no, bewitched isn't real. Like, or, or he needs to, yeah, yeah, they yeah. could have uh, lent in more to you are just dumb actors. Yeah. And so you, it justifies why he's maybe a bit dismissive. Yeah, of them. I would have enjoyed, you know, him saying, "Check this out," and then suddenly the screen that they're talking to turns into the Brady Bunch. Look at me, I'm Alice. Yeah, you sure. know, the joy of an older kid uh, revealing that Santa isn't real. There you yeah, go. yeah, Perfect. that's just what I would have done. Mm. Uh, any other suggestions? Or that no, I think it, that would have been my. Everyone else is pretty. Uh, it's, it's not just his personality that zero. I was also thinking, and you know, I'm a big proponent of uh, physical practical effects, especially puppetry. Yeah, but uh, the puppet. Was lacking a little bit, right? L- yes. Not as expressive as I would have liked it to be, right? Right. But again, yeah. that's probably the technical limitations of the yeah. time. Yeah, the fact that it's all practical stuff anyway is pretty, yeah. which is great. Cool. Uh, segment better or worse, ruin or improve the movie with one decision. Uh, so I just don't know. So I have a suggestion that could it would ruin or improve the movie, but it would depend on. Who was doing it? So this is a, 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 an idea that in the right hands could be fantastic, but in the wrong hands could be a fucking travesty. Remake the whole movie, but actually use Star Trek and use all I the I was going to say, my, my ruin it would be you have a, a William Shatner cameo where he's oh, yeah. in the audience and he like, shakes his hair like hacks or something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 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 That I'm glad they didn't go anywhere yeah. near, even acknowledging that there is a star. star yeah, yeah this, this universe, it's Galaxy Quest. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which isn't is that good. what? Um, I haven't seen it, but Below Decks isn't there a, a series which I think it might be an animated. Oh, one? Oh yeah, that's the Star Trek animated There's, one. I think that takes the piss out of all of yeah fandom, which or the all the tropes of Star yeah. Trek. Yeah, right. I have to. Adam's talked to me about it. I think he hate watches it. A lot of people that I know, the reason I know about it is people talking about how it's it it's mocking more than it's lovingly, you know, poking. Yeah, it's a tough needle to thread, right? Yeah, like it's phenomenal that Mm. they. Yeah. Same thing as like as I understand it, this was initially because you can see there's two. It was meant to be more of a like a, a a PG thirteen. Yeah. Uh, film because there's quite clearly two scenes where Sigourney Weaver's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's it's overdubbed. Beat. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think that's also I think there's there was a scene cut where she I got is, it in the squid bits. Right yeah. there, you go. So I feel that that is a that could have I can see where there's a, a world where that made it better where it wasn't oh yeah where it wasn't such a family-friendly movie that you could take a, a young mm, kid to. Yeah. It was more for that adult audience. Yeah. But there's something about the innocence of it all that I, I think I, works really yeah. nicely. I, think like, I don't sa- think I would want to see the uncut version of it. No. I think it's in the same realm as Men in Black yes. and that kind of, you know, yeah, that yeah, yeah. late 90s, just fun. Which is just Ghostbusters with aliens. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. 
Yeah. I, I would have improved the movie by, uh, and this goes to my love of practical effects, and also keeping in the tone of the movie of kind of celebrating that practicality of the time, of the, the, the time that the show would have been made. Uh, I would have gotten rid of the CG rock monster, and I would have had a great stop motion physical practical oh, thing yeah. happening yeah oh, i would have yeah. gotten rid of all the cg aliens yeah uh and just had practical effects yeah. they had stan winston doing the cockroach monster yeah um i would have loved to have seen yeah that really would have been tactile good. practical yeah because it is that it does fall into the realm of that very ropey late 90s cg that yeah uh that i think that artificially dates the movie more than any other part of the yeah, film. Yeah, surprisingly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the segment, Where Are We Now? How Close Are We to the Technology in the Film? So this is from physics.org. Television transmissions expand outward from the Earth at the speed of light, so if you're four light years away, you're seeing the Earth as it looked four years ago. Some of that light includes television transmissions, as radio waves are just another form of electromagnetism. It's all just light. The first radio broadcast started in the early 1900s, so those transmissions have been escaping into space 122 years ago. The only problem is, is that the strength of the signal decreases massively over distance, and by the time you've gone a few light years, the signal is almost non-existent. The only way to let aliens know we're here is to focus our transmissions and beam them straight at another star. On the other hand, if aliens looked in our direction, they'd know there's life here because of the oxygen in the atmosphere. They'd know we harness the power of fire when we develop steam technology and what kinds of cars we like to drive. Mm. And that's all because of the atmosphere. So... It was funny because of this segment. I was like, geez, what am I going to talk about? And I was like, oh, yeah, the TV transmission. Yeah. So that's yeah. it. Uh, and the final segment, what does this mean? Uh, sum it up. What does this movie mean to you? Oh, I was actually going to just quickly step back before oh, we answer yep. that. Yep. Maybe that would also have been a nice element to have in the film. The idea that these transmissions have been going out but you would have to have all the techno babble in there to explain it was years ago. So the idea that there is a down and out uh, Jason character yeah. who is still holding on to those glory days, there's no fan conventions anymore. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's almost, uh, it only actually just struck me watching it this time around. Like for all the years I've known about this film from when I first watched it, very three amigos. The idea mm, of... I was thinking mm, that too. Here you've got these actors mm, who yeah. now are going to play the roles yeah. that someone thinks that they are in real life. Yeah. So that idea of... Well, what are you talking about? This that show ended years ago. Oh, but we've only just received them. Yeah. Your messages in outer space, and and so you can come and rescue us. So then he has to get the team back that's together. A, that's that's a, but whether that's just time you don't have. It's another twenty yeah. minutes of that's film. That's a great alternate version of the movie, though. Trying like, to get the Alan Rickman character to put the rubber head back on, <laughs> yeah. and he's you know killing it. Yeah, in the exactly. West End. Those, yeah. those who are like, but I'm credible now. I don't. Why yeah. would I want to be doing that? Do you know how long it took me to shake that? Exactly. I was in the wilderness for a decade. You know, I've finally been accepted back, and you want me to put on these fake fucking. You got to use your yeah. Hollywood contacts to get uh, the Galaxy Quest reboot happening. Um, um, so yeah, what does this film mean to me? Yeah, I, I I just think it's again as someone who loves this genre, and I'm I I I probably don't want to identify with certain characters in this as far as fandom goes. But if I'm being honest with myself, I probably am. Right. Um, with I don't obsess over the nuances of things or or why certain timelines of 
franchise and some films you know i have my reasons why i didn't enjoy the boba fett series yeah or why mm. the latest run of doctor who wasn't as perfect as it could have been and better end the right way with these last two episodes we have all yeah. that sort of stuff i still have that in me i can't lie and yeah. say that i'm not one of those people mm-hmm. do i ha- dress in a in a costume and put a rubber head on and and walk into a, a fan convention no but it still is a very loving uh, homage to, I think, the fans. Not so much the shows themselves, but the actual fans that make them happen. And that, to me, is my big takeaway from, mm. from this, that I, I think it's, it's why I think it's received so well yep. all these years, decades later, is because of that. Yeah. But cynicism would have been the easy option. Yeah, it's yeah. not taking the piss out of... Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. It's embracing the fans of all of these types of shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd written down uh, not dissimilar, a loving look at fandom, an acute reminder that kids who stayed in their rooms all the time obsessing about things on the internet used to be considered weird <laughs> rather than the norm. So it was a nice reminder, also, rather than an active dangerous society. <laughs> yeah. From from a, a a different point of view, I look at this with with Alan Rickman in mind, yeah. and just go. You never take yourself too seriously. Oh, yeah. Because he yeah. doesn't in this. Yeah. Apparently, he leapt into this head first oh, because yeah. he wanted to be seen to be funny. I mean, yeah. his delivery of, by Grabthar's hammer, <laughs> what a savings. Was yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Mwah, yeah. chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah. Perfection, yeah. delivery. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, good. come on. And, the, and again, has that rubber head on the whole time. Yeah. yeah. At no point is he playing into... Th- the Alexander character of like this is beneath me and yeah. demeaning. He, mm-hmm. he he pulls it off as they all do, yeah. because he's all in on it. Yeah, and uh, that was another big takeaway. Like again, as we mentioned earlier, nobody in this film looks like they're not having a great time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah, it, and that's it, important, I think, for everybody to remember. Oh, yeah. Totally. So we've got some squid bits for you. Uh, Harold Ramis was originally asked to direct the film under the title of Captain Sunshine and wanted either Kevin Klein, Steve Martin or Adam Baldwin. I see Steve. Kevin Klein. Yeah, yeah. I could see Kevin Klein. Or Adam Baldwin to star, but when Disney insisted on Tim Allen, he dropped out of the project. Uh, Ramis' version seemed to go more in a Spaceballs direction. That could happen. Uh, he also wanted uh, he also wanted an action star who could be funny versus a comedian who could do action. So, um, so that's interesting. Uh, then Ramus reached out after the movie was released and said that he was wrong with his approach and the movie was great and that Tim Allen was fantastic. Oh, that's and good. The director was really chuffed by that. Uh, Sigourney Weaver had to lobby for the role because they originally didn't want anyone in the film who had been in science fiction movies oh, really? before. Sigourney said, that's silly because if anyone can spoof science fiction, surely it's me. Yep. So, and I guess also that's, that's why it's seen as not being mocking yeah, because she can say yes, I'm I'm one of those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Helps she the fans gets it. Embrace it. Totally. Yeah. Uh, Weaver insisted that her character had to be blonde and have big boobs. I like that. She said, "I, like I that she's she's embraced that. Yeah, and empowered she, it." She said, "I love Tawny from the first moment I read the part. To me, she was what a lot of women feel like, including myself, in a Hollywood situation. Preach. Which is what you get. You know, like Absolutely. you, it's all you know in." The, the frustrations of having to deliver the lines that the computer said and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Tim Allen was hoping the role would be a baby step in the direction of appearing in more science fiction movies. 
Uh, Missy Pyle as the alien La- Laliari. Yes, was I cast- love Missy. Oh, yeah. She was cast late in the process. Uh, Spielberg liked her so much that he asked if her role could be expanded. Spielberg? Spielberg produced this. Well, DreamWorks. Oh, because yeah, it was DreamWorks yeah, yeah. back when that was yeah. the three of them, sure. And he, he liked her so much he asked if her role could be expanded to include the romantic subplot. Again, that, that bit in the, the limo where she doesn't speak and yeah. that's because yeah. her translator's broken. <laughs> yeah. And she just blurts out it's this amazing sound. Yeah. Also, in the, in the final end credits that we get when the, with the reboot, her expression with Shalhoub when they... That's right. Press heads and smile at the camera is one of the funniest things I've ever yeah, seen. it's so oh. good. Uh, Sam Rockwell nearly dropped out of the project but was convinced by Kevin Spacey to stay on board. So, oh. weird to hear something positive about Kevin Spacey, but here you go. Uh, Alan Rickman provided input into the prosthetic that Dr. Lazarus wears because he wanted it to look good enough to convince aliens he was the real thing, but also cheesy enough to imagine that it was something he applied himself. Ah, which that, that holds up. Yeah, like which you when you hear that you go, oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't think that consciously, but as soon as you describe it, it's like, oh yeah, it's yeah. just yeah. a rubber head you put yeah, on, a yeah. swim cap. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which also kind of adds to the just he has to go through that, like he's doing it and he's just furious. Uh, Rickman found Tim Allen quite off-putting, stating huh. Tim Allen used to kick the door open to the makeup trailer. We would all be lined up and he would say, number one is here. Oh, I can imagine that. Especially like that's him at the height of his powers. You forget yeah. there was a, a period of time where he had the number one movie, the yeah. number one TV show and number one book in yeah. that's right. the world. I think. Yeah. 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 yeah, people oh. forget that he was a thing. Yeah. Uh, Alan badgered Weaver the entire production to sign his coveted piece of the Nostromo from Alien. And when she finally did, she wrote, Stolen by Tim Allen, loves Sigourney Weaver. According to Weaver, he was so upset. Why would you write that? I was going to put it in my screen room. Which was such a Hollywood thing to say. Uh, That's what Sigourney Weaver said. That's funny. Wouldn't you want that written on there? Yeah, that's hilarious. That's what I would think. But uh, anyway. Uh, Tim Allen says that he based his performance on... William uh, Shatner. Shatner? Yul Brynner in <laughs> The Ten Commandments. What? The way he sits on the throne. and in that's the, how Oh, it, so yeah. I'm, th- I'm thinking Yul Brynner in The King and I with the hands on hips thing. No, no. no, the, no. Uh, oh, I don't know. that. I'm guessing sitting the on the throne. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay, so, I need to go back and validate mm, that. That's a very him, funny sure, thing. I'm sure it's spot on. Uh, when screenwriter Robert Gordon originally wrote the movie, it wasn't a family movie. Examples of this in the original script include <laughs> when the spaceship lands in the convention hall, it decapitates a bunch of people. <laughs> See, that would have been too far in the opposite direction. Too much. <laughs> too much. Too much. Too much. Funny, but too much. Like, I understand it as an idea, throwing it out when you're writing your first part of the screenplay, but that takes the movie into yeah. a, like, no. It's funny enough that everyone there thinks it's, thinks it's part of the act. That's, and a that's cheer enough. goes up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then they also shot stuff where Sigourney Weaver tries to seduce some aliens and that's why her shirt is ripped at the end. So they uh, took that out. So that's why right. she's just gratuitously running around. Yes, I just assumed that that the, was just automatic zip, gratuitousness. being down. Yeah. yeah, but again, I guess it, yeah. it adds up. That yeah, that's yeah. what yeah. would happen in the, yeah. in the show. Uh, Rickman's famous catchphrase by Grabthar's Hammer was a temp line, but Gordon couldn't think of anything better, so they just stuck with it, <laughs> which is funny. As is always the way, usually. Uh, the film's aspect ratio changes from 1.85 to 1 to 2.35 to 1 when the ship lands on Thermia. Uh, oh, when the ship lands? Yeah. 
Oh, so the reveal of yeah, so then when goes, the the doors open or something. Yeah, like uh, that. I thought you meant from the start. It has yeah, that sort of six. Yeah. Screen, uh, what yeah. is it? Four three. Yep. Uh, the alien warlord Saris was reportedly named after critic Andrew Saris, who vocally disliked producer Mark Johnson's previous film. The That's Natural. how you do it. That's and, how you do and it. And he was gonna. He was going. He thought about suing, but he figured the movie wasn't going to make enough for him to make some decent money. It's like, mate, wah, just, wah. just <laughs> take the hit. You're a bad guy. Yeah, you, you've just been immortalized. <laughs> guess what? Yeah, you don't in, write the stuff you guess, write because you want to be thought of that. Well, way. You guess guess what? We are not talking about you in 2022 if you're not Lock named, <laughs> sat, named you after an alien. So you should be rat mate. Uh, Guy Fliegman was named after Guy Vardaman, who played several no-name characters in Star oh, that's, Trek: The Next uh, Generation. Character. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, to promote the film, he aired a mockumentary on the cultural impact of the Galaxy Quest TV series, which is what you already talked I about. I'd love to watch that. There, it's on YouTube. Oh, sorry, yeah, it's easily found. There was also an intentionally crappy-looking fan site used to promote the film and contained reviews of the five best episodes of Galaxy Quest, as decided by the fictitious Travis Latke. I thought Blair Witch Project was the first to do that, like to cleverly create. Oh, like because that was Blair Witch was ninety eight, ninety seven, ninety eight. Oh, okay, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was obsessed with that campaign. It was so cleverly done. Yeah, really obsessed with that. I still remember the the airing of the documentary, the Blair Witch Doco. Yeah. yeah, and want and knowing it was fake, but really leaning into believe. Yeah, I had that thought of knowing. There was always that knowledge of well, this is a. Uh, that the movie is still a movie, yeah, 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 yeah. But that it was based on something like yep. a Slender Man idea that yep. was still, yeah. There, there really was a legend of the Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. That was the bit that surprised me. That that there was no yeah. legend. Yeah, that's yeah. all made up from scratch. But when you saw the film, I believe the uh, actual the Blair Witch's name is actually John. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You can understand. John Witch. John Witch. <laughs> so it's not as catchy. Um, the, uh, because of that build-up was so good that when you saw the film and you were sitting in the cinema, it helped. With the, I've only ever seen that film once, but I had such a good I, experience. I love it. And the first of hey, that I've sort of found footage. Yeah. yeah. Um, and finally, uh, Tony Shalhoub uh, approached the character of Fred Kwan by using a potentially apocryphal story about David Carradine's persona in the TV series Kung Fu. The story goes that Carradine was supposedly high the whole time and saying things that just came to mind, and that's why he seemingly appeared to be operating on another plane of existence. <laughs> Tony used this as a jumping-off point for Fred, with the idea the show has been off-air for 15 years, and he's so burnt out, he really only has one foot in reality. That that's makes sense. how I read the character. Yeah. yeah. Well, also... <laughs> Explains why, because he's almost eating Brad Pitt style in every scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that would explain a lot too. Yeah, like when they're on the on the shuttle down, he's like just got like a little um, le snack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. like hummus and carrots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's very funny. Well, so there you go. that makes sense. Well, that was a good suggestion. Uh, and what thank a, you, Rove. A uh, another squid bit I mm. uh, I found was that the. Um, ID on the side of their ship is yep. NTE something something with numbers. The yep. NTE apparently stands for not the Enterprise. Not the Enterprise. <laughs> Very good. Uh, it, and it wasn't. No, and it wasn't. And it wasn't. Not a bad looking ship though. Great looking ship. Like mm-hmm. oh, you know, once again, like all the all the designs of everything, even the flying through the minefield and then using the mines to, uh, you know, save them. Mm. All of it's done well. Black hole looks great. The black hole looks fantastic. It's a a great um, idea of if you were to make the 
spaceships from some of these old 60s, 70s, 80s television sci-fi shows in reality Mm. would look pretty great Mm. because the design is fine. It's just that they're usually made from plastic or fiberglass (laughs) or wood. Yeah. Cardboard. Yeah. So I think that's what I liked about it too when they go, yeah, when it's actually made for real, it looks it looks the shit. So yeah, some of the... I, I, sometimes uh, it's funny, like not being necessarily a massive Star Wars fan, but the the Millennium Falcon and uh, TIE Fighters in particular, oh, yeah. the X-Wings, like those are real uh, initial ones, really have an appeal that have uh, stayed with me for uh, for a long time. Still one of my favourite things in, in New Hope is when they go to the Millennium Falcon and you walk into this hangar and there's this huge thing that yeah. even as a kid or now, yeah. you look at it and go, wow, and then Luke's line is, what a hunk of junk. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Great. It's yeah. great. Uh, thank you, Rove. Thanks for suggesting this. My pleasure, gentlemen. I'm thank glad you. it holds up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was all... No. Go. No. I was just going to say, it's just also really nice watching a movie of that period mm. and uh, feeling that uh, a simpler time. Yeah. It was nice to, it was, I was very grateful. 20 minutes in, I was very grateful to you for suggesting this <laughs> one. Yeah. Because we've been watching a lot of Lynch and we've been watching a lot of kind of bleak stuff and obviously the state of the world at the moment. Yes. So to kind of go back to yeah. like pre-mobile phone, pre-social media, like, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and also uh, like the last two movies that we, like they haven't come out yet, but the two movies that we've recorded uh, podcasts about have been Alien and Twin Peaks Firewalk yeah. with me. So this was the palate cleanser we didn't realise <laughs> yes. we wanted, but more specifically needed. Now shut up and eat your bowl of bugs. Once again, thank you to Rove and Ben for hanging out with me today. I'm so glad that Rove suggested Galaxy Quest. This was his suggestion, and it's always been a movie I've been curious about, and I've always heard good things about, and it was great to finally sit down and see it. And uh, yeah, we had a really good time with this podcast, and I hope you enjoyed it too. A big thank you to our Patreon subscriber for the episode, Lee. Let me know if you've seen Galaxy Quest before, or if this podcast has given you a gentle nudge to finally check it out. If, if you haven't watched it yet, you won't be disappointed. It's really fun. Uh, remember, you can be a part of the Big Squid community by heading over to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton underscore Big Squid. And look, times are tough. And if money is tight and you'd still like to support the podcast, a top review at Apple Podcasts is great, as well as suggesting us to your friends. And you know what? Even just listening to the podcast is supporting. So I appreciate all of that. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what we're releasing next week. I have a feeling it might be two podcasts, but uh, I'll have to let you know. Uh, Let's have a look, actually. Why am I... uh, I've got a few banked up here, uh, especially because, you know, I knew I was going to go to to Adelaide to perform. So, oh, you know what? I reckon... So... I've uh, I've got Lawrence Summerfield back, whose uh, first album has just been released on uh, on Spotify. He uh, turns out was a really big hit when he was on the podcast for his first uh, appearance, and uh, he's a, a nice young man. I like him a lot, so he is uh, going to be coming back and talking about soundtracks. And we have uh, uh, recorded a podcast where he talks about his favourite soundtrack, which is Lord of the Rings. So that might be coming up next week, and maybe. Because that's a really sweet podcast, maybe we'll 
even it out by releasing the next David Lynch movie, Lost Highway, which is like one of my all-time favourite movies. So you might get a little double dose of Big Squid next week. Something, something sweet in Lawrence Summerfield and something yicky in Lost Highway. Uh, all right, but keep an eye out for that, and uh, you know we'll uh, we'll we'll keep you in the post uh, then. And also, there should be a new um, dispatches from the Fury Road blog at bigsquidpod.com. So if you'd like to check that out too, um, and also just a reminder: if you're in Adelaide, please come along to the Rhino Room on June third. And if you buy tickets at adelaidecomedy.com, use the promo HAMO H A W M O. It's for you, the listeners. It's all for you. So make sure you get that sweet discount. Uh, Let's finish today with a quote from Tony Shalhob. I come from a really big family. My father was a businessman and what he always instilled in us was to be your own boss. My father built up his business and he was by no means a rich man, but he figured out how to do a four and a half days a week job. Four and a half days, that's good, isn't it? Four days would be good. I'd be pretty happy with four days. No no real hump in a four-day week, is there? Anyway, thank you for listening. Until then. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.